Hello to you. Welcome to Coin Market Recap on Friday, the 12th of August. I'm Connor Sefton with Coin Market Caps, easy to understand look at the top crypto stories. Today, the date for Ethereum's merge is revealed, and it's a little sooner than first thought. Vitalik Buterin sets out his vision for Ethereum's future. We'll bring you all the highlights from a speech he's given in Canada. Binance reveals it's recovered more than 80% of the funds stolen in the Curve finance attack. And one of Latin America's biggest online payment platforms vows to give people across the region access to crypto. Give our show a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And you can get in touch with me on Twitter as well. I'm at Connor Sefton. Coin Market Recap. Bitcoin failed to reach $25,000 on Thursday. It's trading at $23,800 at the time we're recording this on Friday, down about 2.5% in 24 hours. ETH is flat on the day and trading at $1,885. It's one of the best performers on a seven-day time frame after surging by 13%. And we begin with some exciting news as the date for Ethereum's long-awaited merge has been revealed. The ambitious switch from a proof-of-work to a proof-of-stake blockchain is going to take place on September 15th. That's a few days earlier than previously thought, and it comes after the final dress rehearsal with the girly testnet was a success. Well, Vitalik Buterin says Ethereum will be 55% complete after the merge is done, and now he set out his vision for what the future looks like. Ethereum's co-founders given a keynote speech at the Blockchain Futurist Conference in Canada and made it clear that Proof-of-Stake's arrival is just the beginning. The merge is um, only the first step in this fairly long and complicated roadmap that we have. Buterin believes the merge can tackle one of the biggest problems with major blockchain chains, the cost of transactions. Ethereum fees have averaged out at between $1 and $20 over the past two years. And given our workers in some countries have a daily income of $4, he's warned that's not good enough. If we're talking about like blockchains being this global thing that's supposed to you know, empower people who are not empowered today um, in um, underprivileged countries, then you can see how it starts looking less viable, right? Because we're talking about single transactions potentially taking up people's entire daily income. Addressing criticism from those who believe Ethereum should remain as a proof-of-work blockchain, he warned fees will go crazy again in a future bull market and had this message. If we want to actually want to have a world where like, we can have blockchain activity happening without needing to trust centralized exchanges for everything, then we just have to learn how to make blockchains cheaper. So how exactly will the merge make things cheaper? Vitalik began with a little joke. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Yay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no, I mean, I know there's, uh, you know, inflation and like eight and a half percent and like gas prices are going up, but like here, gas prices are going down. <laughs> <laughs> His speech focused on bringing back crypto payments. And Ethereum's co-founder suggested that the idea of paying people using digital assets has fallen by the wayside in recent years. That led him to reveal what the Ethereum Foundation will be focusing on after the merge is complete. 
Probably the biggest focus uh, immediately after the merge is going to come on uh, scalability, right? So scalability is also a problem that we've been talking about, we've been complaining about, we've been thinking about how to fix pretty much since the beginning of the uh, Ethereum project and uh, even before the chain launched them um, all those years ago. In the long term, he wants the blockchain to be able to store more data and thinks sharding could have a big impact. The long-term roadmap is to basically increase the amount of data that the Ethereum chain can hold up to somewhere around 16 megabytes every slot, right? And today, the average block is only about 80 kilobytes, so like massively increasing the amount of data that, that the Ethereum chain can hold. At the same time, he wants to maximize how data is used, ensuring as many transactions can fit into a single block as possible. Basically, trying to pack a much larger number of transactions into a much smaller amount of space so that like, we just get um, you know, a big scalability gain for free, right? We can pack more transactions without really having to spend more resources at all. Vitalik's estimated that rollups, which settle transactions outside of Ethereum before submitting them all to the blockchain, could deliver transaction fees as low as one-fifth of a cent in the future. Of course, this network is about much, much more than sending money from one person to another. It's about NFTs as well. We have millions of people with uh, crypto wallets, and we have millions of people that have private keys inside their own browsers. Now, why, right? Well, because they want to trade monkey pictures, right? So it's like, you know, 1990s, you know, you have these really kind of deep and philosophical arguments about like, oh, you know, there's a, you know, there's this fundamental great battle between the authority of the nation state and the desire for individual freedom. And if you want to protect privacy and if you want to assert your independence, then you, sh then cryptography is the future of, of uh, ensuring freedom of the humanity. Fast forward 20 years and it's like, hey, look, it's a monkey. And guess which one works better? Buterin thinks Ethereum's switch to a proof-of-stake blockchain could also threaten tech giants like Google. Web2 companies are like, you know, they talk about how, you know, centralization is good because, uh, like, you know, at least provides recovery, but, like, somehow they've screwed this up so much that often they don't actually provide recovery. One of his ideas for ensuring people can regain access to their accounts in a decentralized way is an approach called social recovery, meaning you wouldn't have to give up control to one single person. You can choose, you know, who your recovery contacts are, right? And like you can make whatever choices you want. So you can say, I'm going to have five recovery contacts. Two of them are going to be an institution. One of them can be my employer. One of them can be my dad. One of them can be a friend. And any three of those five uh, can come together and uh, recover your accounts and kind of reset your key to something else. So there's a lot to be excited about and plenty of things that Ethereum could become in the years ahead. But his message was clear. Making it viable and making people want to do these things on chain requires the chain to be much more affordable. The big question now is this. Will Vitalik's pitch for proof of stake silence his critics? Other news now, and Binance has recovered $450,000 of the funds stolen in the Curve finance hack. CZ says this represents about 83% of what was taken in the attack earlier this week. 
Binance, the parent company of CoinMarketCap, is now working with law enforcement to return the funds to users. The CEO said the hacker carried on sending funds to the exchange in different ways, thinking that it wouldn't be detected. More than $570,000 was stolen after a hacker put a malicious contract on Curve Finance's homepage, and when it was approved by unsuspecting victims, their wallets would be drained. The DeFi platforms suggested it may start switching to Ethereum name service to prevent such an attack from happening again. And one of Latin America's biggest online payment platforms is vowing to roll out crypto access to more countries across the region. Mercado Pago says this follows a successful launch in Brazil, where more than 1 million users signed up for a crypto wallet in just two months. There are 650 million people in Latin America and almost half of them don't have a bank account or only have one for the sole purpose of converting their salaries to cash. Well, CEO Osvaldo Gimenez says crypto is popular in the region after years of inflation, with many countries suffering from unstable currencies. The expansion means more customers across Latin America will be able to buy, sell and hold digital assets, including Bitcoin and Ether, as well as USDP, a stablecoin that's pegged to the US dollar. That's it for today's Coin Market Recap. Please do leave us a review if you've enjoyed today's episode. There's plenty more crypto news and features on our website over at coinmarketcap.com slash Alexandria. Molly Jane will be with me tomorrow for our weekly news roundup. And after that, we're taking a little break and we'll be back on the 23rd of August. I'm Connor Sefton. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye for now.